Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Crucial Conversations, teaching you to think like a confessor. I am your host, Peter Slayton, Executive Director of Crucial Productions, which presents Crucial Conversations, and uh, I think there's something crucial, maybe even critical and important about what we're talking about today, but we have two wonderful guests, Pastor Andrew Dirks of Trinity Lutheran Church in Aronsville, Illinois, and Hi. you guys will know him from uh, past weeks, and we have a new pastor joining us today, Pastor Timothy Roth. Yes, you are on camera, Pastor Roth, Ooh, right now. Greetings. Smile to the people, wave at them. <laughs> of St. Peter Lutheran Church in Humboldt, Kansas. So we are glad you guys could join us. We are going to be talking about the fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments today. Yes, we are going to get through all three of them, but hey, good news. We actually, in our discussion of how to cover this, and there's so much, and like the law itself is a large topic, decided that this Thursday, that's in two days, we're airing on Tuesday right now, at 9 p.m., we're going to do a special bonus episode on what is the law. And so that will be Thursday night, 9 p.m. You can join us for that. It'll also be turned into a podcast if you are listening to us via audio. Speaking of which, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel down below. Click that subscribe button, turn on the notifications so when we go live, you get a notification on your phone, email, device, whatever it is you're using. That'd be great. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Crucial Productions. Join our Facebook group, The Grokmoot, also linked down below, because what we are doing tonight is part of a reading plan that we are going through together in The Grokmoot every day from now until the end of June. We are reading through the large catechism, and so this show, the large catechism portion of it that we're going through right now, is actually a part of that reading plan. So we hope you will join us in the Grokmoot, and can answer the three questions, please do that. If you don't answer the three questions, I don't let you in. <laughs> uh, uh, that is like the one rule that we have. So join us in the Grokmoot. That would be wonderful to have you there. Uh, enjoy the conversation. We have lots of other stuff going on there too. You can ask questions of pastors and whatnot. But if you have questions during this show, if you are watching us live, Post them in the comments. I will be checking the comments and feeding the questions to our pastors here as we're live. If you're listening to this via podcast or you're watching after the fact, uh, you're not able to watch live, send your questions to questions at crucialproductions.org or go join the Grokmoot and ask us there. I think that's all the business. Get Got that out of the way. Now we can get to the good stuff. We are studying the large catechism. Blah. Yeah, Pastor Roth, Pastor Dirks, thank you once again for joining us today. Let's dig right in. We're going to start with the fourth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother. And Luther talks about this, so we're going to talk about what Luther talks about. But first, what, what what's this topic we're going to be going for? What are some ways in which we tend to struggle with this? Maybe some ways that this commandment uniquely manifests itself in our lives today. And we'll go with Pastor Dirks first so that Pastor Roth, you know, can kind of get a little bit of break and see how we do things around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it comes to the fourth commandment, I think at the heart of it, you know, tying back in with the first is we're the ones who want to be in charge. When we talk about authority, the thing that, you know, we talk about ma father, ma father and mother, these are the two, you know, after God, these are the two highest authorities in our lives. But we want to do what we want to do. 
I mean, after all, we've all been teenagers. We remember when we knew everything at that time, but that continues throughout the rest of our lives. And so the struggle that we end up having is the fact that we, we don't want to listen to authority. We don't recognize that it's there for our good and we're more likely to complain about it, resist it and go against it rather than trust it. Or when we are in authority, we like to abuse it for our own sake to make ourselves have something even better. It's all I mean, about I'm, us. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely made a father so that I can oppress and make my children into slaves, right? <laughs> Do the it's dishes. All about retirement kids. plan. Yeah, <laughs> all part of the retirement plan. I like my daughter made a face when I said that too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pastor Roth, what are your thoughts on the fourth commandment here as we get started? Yeah, the fourth commandment, uh, you know, I, I agree with what Pastor Dirk said. It's also, you know, that that transitionatory bridging commandment. You know, the first three deal with our relationship to God. And in this fourth commandment, we transition into our relationship with our fellow humans. Um, and that first interaction, you know, when you first come into the world, what is that first relationship you have? Uh, it's with your parents. And so this is kind of the setting up the rest of the commandments and how the rest of the commandments are going to go as we relate to one another, as we relate to our neighbors. That's that's a good point. I'm glad you talked about the transition, because if, if somebody is coming from a non-Lutheran background, they haven't been through confirmation or catechism uh, as a Lutheran, this whole division of first table of the law, second table of the law, and the, that very terminology may not be familiar. So since we are now moving into what's called the second table of the law, Really quick, tell us, Pastor Roth, what, what that is. First table, second table, how those get divided and, and what we're actually doing here as we move into the second table. Right. So the first table of the law is uh, our relationship to God. You know, the first one in the first commandment, God gives us himself and he tells us to have no other gods. Um, in the second commandment, he gives us his name. You know, we are to use his name. His name is a blessing to us. Um, the third commandment is his word. We are given the gift of his word, so we should honor his word, um, and we should take the time to read and study his word. So that is the first table. It is our relationship to God. But then when we go to the second table, the second table is all of our relationship to our neighbor. So we start with honor your parents, and there's kind of a, a hierarchy that we'll see. Um, you know, honor your parents, then you shall not murder then you shall not commit adultery. And it just kind of goes down this list of everything that keeps us in good relationship, uh, keeps the peace, keeps the order of how we relate to one another. Uh, and and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Pastor Dirks, we actually yeah. get this, this division in a sense from Jesus Christ himself. He, when the I don't remember who it was that's asking whether it was the Pharisees. I asked him what the greatest commandment is, but he answers. Yeah, you, by, you, you, you stole what I was just about to say. I was, oh, I, no, I was teeing you up. <laughs> I was giving oh, you, you a softball. I was about to say, that was a nice softball lob right there. <laughs> Give me a t-ball to hit right there. Yeah, I mean, when the Pharisees go up and ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus gives us the first table of the law, which is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which is referencing the Old Testament, which says the same thing. And then the second is like it, and that's when we get the second table of the law, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of this just comes from what Jesus himself has said. Nothing new that we're making up here, just listening to what Christ our Lord has said. Yep, yep. And as we've talked about in, in the first three commandments, how we make everything an idol, how everything can be an idol. 
basically the first table, it's like, well, I want to be God. We're finding ways that we actually can be God instead of allowing God to be God. And the second commandment, love your neighbor. Well, we find all these ways in which we like to love ourselves instead of our neighbor and, and what that looks like, which once again is idolatry because we believe I'm God. I should determine what, what I should be able to do. So back to authority. Now I have a question because Luther does something here with this commandment that at least for me, coming from a non-Lutheran background, as I'm looking at this, was was odd. Um, I, I didn't quite see it. It took me a while to kind of grapple with it. But he says that all authority from parents to, to governments, you know, he goes through like the governmental structure. All is from from parents. Like like all authority is derived from the, the father-mother-parent relationship. So Pastor Roth, uh, because right now we, we do, you, you guys are pastors, but you're also fathers. And so right. Pastor Dirks has fatherly duties even fourth now commandment. in the middle of the show. There we go. Fourth commandment. It's a perfect time for him to step away to do his fatherly duties. So you get this one first. Um, explain to us what, what Luther is is doing here as he, as he makes this move and says, look, all government structure, all authority on earth actually is derived from parents. If I've even summarized that accurately, feel yeah. free to correct me. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes back to what is the order and structure that God put in creation. Um, and as we go back to Genesis, as we see Adam created um, and, and God created Adam and breathed life into him. Uh, he was the first one, and then he gave Adam authority and dominion over all creation. And then he took Eve, and unlike every other animal in creation, uh, God took a rib from Adam and formed Eve around it and brought the two together so that they, in fact, are one flesh. Uh, so God put marriage uh, and family at, at the center of creation. Um, and then he gave parents this authority. He he told them to have dominion over all of creation, over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all the beasts that roam. Um, and so this is the original authority that God has given. And so as we see the family, you can see this working out. It, it still exists today, even though we are in the fall. But the father, as the head of the household, is both the spiritual leader, um, the one who is to teach his family the word, to guide them in truth, uh, to guide them in the ways of Christ. And he also, at the same time, is the one who is supposed to, uh, you know, dad's the disciplinarian. Um, he's the one who keeps order. He's the one who deals out punishment. So he takes on this dual role. And then the rest of society is the rest of institutions that we find in creation, even the church and the government kind of flow out of this parental authority that we see. Um, and really the government and the church is meant to support the family. Uh, I know you talked about it. I'm pretty sure you talked about it in the first episode anyway, uh, that, you know, the catechism is, is the small catechism, especially is meant for parents that as the head of the household, the dad to teach his children. Um, and then pastors come in and use it. Same with a large catechism. It's not just a pastor's book. Uh, it's a book for everyone that everyone is supposed to use. So it, it's that original authority that God made, that God gave 
to humanity and the structure of creation that then flows out in different aspects, both the temporal realm and the spiritual realm. Cool. And now Pastor Dirks is going to correct me. <laughs> well, all right, fix everything you just said. There is no fixing it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> ah, you know, so it's much out so, there. We're live. It's too bad. So much so that this fatherhood, you know, Luther builds on this as the center of all authority and everything, that he takes that term and uses it referring to the two types of father. You have your father by blood and your father by office. And so that gives you people who are an authority over you, whether they be your governor, whether they be your boss or something like that, that they are a father to you in that way. And when we speak about that authority given to the father, it is one like you are bringing up all these other things, but also of sacrifice, of giving of oneself, of dying. I mean, this is going to be something that comes out in the fourth commandment about the true use of authority and the goal of each, you know, the reason why each of these come out of the father, though, is they perform in a lot of ways fatherly duties. The government brings protection, it provides, and it offers different ways of support in the midst of other things as well. So. Awesome. So as we're, as we're looking at this commandment, one of the questions that we want to consistently ask as we go through this entire series is what scriptures should we be looking at in order to understand these commandments? What scriptures might Luther be looking at? What should we be looking at? Pastor Dirks, I'm going to go to you first on this one, but what, where, where should we be looking in the Bible? Because we want to understand how Luther gets where he gets from scripture so that we actually know scripture well enough to see, oh, yeah, what Luther writes is biblical because I know what scripture says well enough to recognize when he's accurately explaining it to me. So, uh, Pastor Dirks, we'll start with you. What scripture should we be looking at as we look at the fourth commandment here? Yeah, we'll start in the narrow part of it and kind of recognize, first off, obviously, was with, as with the rest of the commandments, Exodus 20, the giving of the Ten Commandments when Israel's around the Mount Sinai. But as we continue on in the rest of Scripture, starting with just father and mother, we receive this commandment that has a blessing. But one of the texts that I always tend to go to is Ephesians chapter 6, which ends up speaking about both how children are to be to their parents, but also about parents, how they are supposed to be. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you live long in the land. And as it talks about that, we recognize that this is, you know, who benefits from having both parents being honored? It's the kids who do in all truth, because they're the ones who have someone who's there to support, care, and guide them in their lives. And, you know, we'll probably be bringing this up a little bit later. When you go into situations where parents aren't honored, where parents aren't loved or respected, it ends up causing harm to everybody else. I mean, the epidemic of fatherlessness has led to increased crime, depression, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I said, though, I think that comes up later. So a narrow part of it is Ephesians chapter 6, when we just be simply talking about our parents. Yeah. Pastor Roth, where's one of the places you go to first as you're teaching about this? Well, I wanted to go to Ephesians 6, but something's that's already taken. <laughs> all right. What's plan B? Um, what's plan B? So, all right. All right. Plan B. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, you know, we have the same thing being said. Uh, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Uh, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And then I, I didn't say this, but actually I'm going to go into 22 because uh, we talk about this, um, you know, off the office of fatherhood. And in 22, he says, bond servants, obey everything, those who are in your earthly... Oh, wow. 
mom, I can't speak. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. Um, so we even there in Colossians not only see the explicit fathers do not provoke your children, children obey your parents and everything this pleases the Lord, but even bond servants um, obey your masters. And this is again, you know, as Pastor Dirks was saying, the, the office of father, especially in the day of Paul, where the bond servants um, were, were basically part of the family. They were served as part of the family. And the head of the household was looked to provide for them, to care for them as they served their master. And then, of course, we have uh, Romans 13 as another passage that talks mm -hmm. explicitly about the government. So we've been talking about you know, the, the parental unit, the family unit itself, and that extension, we can go to Romans 13 to learn about, you know, what what Christ says about the government, Christ through Paul in this case, um, about how we are to submit to the government. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, though, about pastors, because there is a sense in which the pastor is the authority. We talked about that a little bit as the father of the spiritual head, and there is a sense in which the father gives that authority, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, to, to the pastor who oversees him, but there, there's a sense in which pastors have authority over us. You guys, as pastors, how does that work? How does that fit into this commandment as well? And what, what do we do with, with that? What's the purpose for that authority? I mean, there are so many different questions we could ask here. Who wants to take that one first? Well, when we talk about the authority given to the pastor, one of the things to recognize is that the authority isn't in the guy. I mean, when I come in as a pastor, it's not because I am so much better than everyone else, smarter or all these sort of things. In a lot of ways, I have less experiences than a lot of the people who are in my congregation who are in their 80s, who've lived a life, had kids, had grandchildren, all this stuff. But rather, the authority that the pastor has comes because he is the one sent by Christ to preach the word and administer the sacraments. And so when we speak about the pastoral authority, he is sent as a shepherd to care for the sheep by these gifts. It is not by his authority that he comes inherent in himself, but the authority of God's word that he is sent with, which goes in a different way than we see a lot of in a lot of evangelicalism and stuff like that, because a lot of that's based on personality. I mean, I go to this church because this guy's fun to listen to. And unfortunately, you have the case where a lot of abuses spring out of this, and we could go into a lot of detail about how pastors have harmed their congregations because they weren't built on God's word. They were built on trying to get something for themselves. And it, it is very much a case when the pastor is preaching, congregation should always be listening and making sure what he says lines up with scripture. Which, which means the congregation actually has to know what scripture actually says, which is kind of why we're here. Uh, Pastor Roth, there, there's another side of that coin, I think, that is worth talking about here in terms of the authority of the pastor. Pastor Dirk says it's not because the pastor is a special kind of person. We have a term called sacerdotalism that I think is, is the opposite of what he was saying. Explain what that, what that term means in the context of the authority of pastor. Yeah, so sacerdotalism um, is the idea that the it, it, it is the person that makes it efficacious. Um, so there, if I'm up there and I am uh, doing a baptism, and it comes out that I am um, 
going into tossism just kidding um that <laughs> <laughs> so so the idea of we have in the back of our hymnal that little rite of emergency baptism um and it says that if a pastor is not able to be found uh, that any Christian can baptize. That's because, you know, as Pastor Dirk says, it's not the pastor. It is not me. When I was ordained, it's not like I had a special infusion of the gospel that I can now do cool spirit Unlimited power. Special <laughs> magic. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm just Timothy Roth, and I am no better than anyone else. Uh but the reason that I have the authority is because it has been given to me by God. I'm not special. Um, honestly, it drives me nuts when people come and make the joke, Pastor, we want you to pray for us because you have it in with God. <laughs> um, no, 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 I don't. Um, I, uh, I'm just a guy like everyone else. I just happen uh, to have gone to the seminary and have, have received a call uh, by a congregation um, God has used that means to call me into the ministry. And uh, I personally love vestments because the more you put on me, the more you realize it's not me, but it's about the office, like Pastor Dirk said. It's it's about the word that you are preaching and that you are giving in the sacraments. It's, it's not about you, right. basically. Yeah. Right. So, okay. And so you, can I can I say a thing? Okay, no. Say a thing. Oh. Yes. I command you not to. Oh. Uh, we're not sacerdotalists, so we don't have that authority. <laughs> One of the great treasures that's there, I know we're in the large catechism, but the small catechism has the table of duties. And in there you have what hearers owe to their pastors, recognizing what do we owe the person who is there preaching the word of God to us. And, you know, when you have a guy who's been proven to be faithful to the scriptures, you have Hebrews 13 that just says, obey them that they rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch over your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you recognizing that, you know, when we would recognize the office of pastor, we show respect to the office, recognizing they're speaking simply what God has given to them. And, you know, when we, with authority, you know, to twist the uh, Marvel statement with great authority comes responsibility. <laughs> and so when we're given this authority and, you know, this actually makes reference to it, we have to give an account on judgment day of the things that happen. And so what is better for the people who are under the pastor's authority is to listen and hear what they're saying so that I go about my work saying I get to preach the word of God instead of I get to preach the word of God to these ungrateful people. These stiff-necked people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully you cut out for me. Hopefully everybody else was able to hear you a bit. Right at the end you cut out. So I think no, you got most of it. But we, 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 in order to keep things moving along, we're, we're trying to cram so much into an episode. Yeah, so let's are. take one example here. I'm going to pick one example of how we tend to break this commandment in a way that, you know, really most of us don't really take that seriously. I'm going to include myself in that. So we're talking about authority and, and the law. We haven't used this phrase a whole lot, but the, the law is – supposed to kill us. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday. That's, you want to join us on Thursday, but <clears throat> speeding. If I'm going three miles over the speed limit, is that a big deal? Does that matter? Does that, does that make a difference? Like, Well, it's a damnable sin because you are breaking the fourth commandment. 
See, I'm trying to be hard on the law since you told us you'd call us out if you weren't. <laughs> if you soften your law on me, I'm going to point it out. <laughs> you deserve nothing but hell and condemnation for going three miles over the speed limit. I'm going to the picture of the cute baby while he's yelling at me. <laughs> you know, you, you, guys, you guys are laughing about it, but it's actually, it's true. It yeah, is true. It is. Flat it's out true. says, honor your authorities because you'll have, oh, really? Well, and then you go into why is there a speed limit? Well, it's for our good. Yeah. You know, going back to what Pastor Dirk said earlier, it's it's for our good. Um, it keep, keeps us safe on the road, keeps other people safe on the road. Well, and I don't even know if we have to go into the for our good part. It's simply, here's the authority that God has placed over you. Well, yeah, and, but there's that promise that goes on about living long in the land that he's yes, bringing you to. Yes. Okay, so that's, that's the, <laughs> the gospel government. part so there yes yes it will go well but i think we you don't want to yeah. go to the promise i'm sorry <laughs> forget the promise <laughs> well speeding tickets an example of it breaking you know you yeah. don't get the promise because you have to pay the speeding ticket and the government has to sort for that reason to punish people who have gone against its laws and this you know we we we're a little spoiled in the u.s because we live in a you know a republic we have actual we can vote we have rights that are given by our government to us as part we can of pay being. to fix a speeding ticket yeah <laughs> oh, wait a minute <laughs> Oh, right. he didn't mean he didn't mean fix in a bribe sense. He just meant right, okay, right. Gotcha. Sorry. Through the courts. Whereas Christian, you know, when when you see Paul write this, he's writing under the Roman Empire, which is not exactly as kind as we have it under the U, you know, in the U.S.'s system. And in fact, we've had Christians living under tyranny for all the generations that are there who yeah. honored their authorities as they had to, and in many cases, got dead. But they were martyred on account of holding to the truth. And so it is very much a case where tyranny or not, honor your authority in the way that you need to. The only time we would go away from this is we must obey God rather than man. Yeah. Yep. Pastor Roth, any further thoughts on that before we move on to the fifth commandment? Amen. <laughs> so fifth commandment here. Uh, if you are following along in your book of Concord, page 370 through 384 is what we're hoping to cover tonight. The fifth commandment begins on page 378. So this is the Concordia Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord, second edition, because he there is a first edition. It highlighted. It's, ooh, yeah, it is. That's from like years ago. <laughs> Seriously, this is when I first became a Lutheran. I was reading the large catechism for the very Please. first time. This is some of the stuff that I, I was like, okay, if I'm going to believe this, maybe I should like read what it says and find oh, out if I actually believe Peter. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, did, I didn't do this part of the show prep today. <laughs> Let's talk about the law killing. We're doing a show on the law that I haven't read. Okay, so you shall not murder. Um, for all you people who are now angry at me for not doing show prep in that way. You shouldn't way. be angry at him because that would be breaking the fifth commandment. <laughs> I got you covered, and, Peter. And, okay, awesome. Thanks. All right, so fifth commandment. Let's go straight to scripture as we're considering the fifth commandment. Where should we go in scripture to flesh this out? Where does Luther go? What is what is he looking at as he's talking about this? Pastor Roth, since you defended me, you get to go first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't steal it from me now. Well, I mean, well, we can go to Exodus. Um, there, that's Pastor Dirks. <laughs> 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 um, sorry. I'm right. 
I love that's true. He is, yes. I really love going because nothing hammers you to the wall. I love when people say, Jesus is all gospel and he doesn't care about the law and la la. Okay, let's go to the let's go to the Sermon on the Mount, which just totally disappeared from me. There it is. Um, Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus just nails us to the wall. Um, Matthew 5 for the Matthew those who are 5, following along. Yeah, starting at verse 43. You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for that's not where I wanted to go. But it's so <laughs> still applause. 38. Is that where you're looking for? Is that what I was looking for? <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, I got some hate. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> OK, 38. You have heard it was said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you. Do not resist the one who is evil. For if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. If to uh, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That's not actually where I wanted to go. <laughs> well, I guess it's all of the above. It's, it's also true, though. It's all of the above. It is. Where did I want to, Pastor Dirks? Where did I want to go? Matthew five twenty one. Oh, twenty one. There it is. There we go. I don't see see sacerdotalism. It's not true, people. Somehow <laughs> this guy is a pastor. <laughs> you know, you have heard it said of old, "You shall not murder," but whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says, "Rakai, you fool," will be liable to the fires of hell. And then you have the rest of this where, well, that word's actually morones. And so you have whoever says moron, it, it, they're liable to the fires of hell. I mean, this really is what skewers us because who has ever not driven and not gotten mad at somebody else? While trying to speed. Yeah, while speeding. <laughs> while speeding. Tailgating. Because they're going to have road rage. I mean, you have now broken both fourth and fifth commandments. You have, yep. you know, this... I mean, this is really where it nails us really hard because we, you know, kids hear this. Yeah, I haven't killed anybody. I'm good. Have you called anybody stupid? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you broke it. You've killed them in your heart. Yep. Well, not only, not only other people, but this also applies to calling yourself stupid. Not, not in like a self-love, but the self-loathing is kind of the opposite right. of the same coin where you're mm -hmm. hating yourself. But yeah. You're still focused on yourself. It doesn't help any. <laughs> yeah, when I mean, when we talk about the fifth commandment, we talk about suicide. Um, you know, suicide is breaking the the fifth commandment. So therefore, you know, self loathing, like you said, Peter. Yeah, that's when you get really angry at yourself. And man, I'm such an idiot. I am such an idiot for getting two verses wrong. And anyway, um, <laughs> for, for Dirk's having to pick up your slide. I know he deserved to steal that from me because I don't even know where it is in the Bible. Apparently um, I get a medal. Yay. <laughs> Here's your cookie. I was going to say, we only give out cookies on this show. That's, oh, that's all we got here. Well, you know, and that leads into a whole bunch of the other ways that the fifth commandment gets broken. I mean, this really goes further and further as we go into it. You know, if you mistreat the body, you I mean Matthew 25, I believe is where we're at when you have the, whoever, you know, if you gave food, if you fed me, whenever you fed one of these people, you whenever gave them something to drink, clothed them, did all these things, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you've done for me. 
recognize, you know, when we are called to serve people, we have the opportunity to act as, as God's hand among these people. And when we don't, we have murdered them. If we see someone who is hungry and do not feed them, we've left them to die of starvation. If we do not help them because they needed clothing, we have left them to exposure. I mean, we've now broken this commandment in another way. And, and you know, and Pastor Rock can comment with it too, with uh, Matthew, uh, I have it right here, 18, I was right. We have the parable, the unforgiving servant. When you have the parable where the servant is forgiven of a debt that he could never pay, and he tries to extort and get the guy and gets the guy who owes him a, about three months of pay into prison. You know, you know, he, when he, the master finds out what's happened, the guy's thrown out in, you know, he's sent to be tortured until he can pay off this astronomic debt, which, you know, tor being tortured is a very high lucrative position where you can make all sorts of money. And Jesus ends it with, and so my heavenly father will deal with you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Grudges are murder. Hatred is murder. And Luther draws this out, and as we read the scriptures, it says the same thing. Yep. Pastor Roth, any further comments on that one? Well, now that I know where I'm at. Um... <laughs> <laughs> or in the Bible. You are at your church. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, I mean, absolutely. And, and this is something, too. We ask God to forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, not going to go to there, that yet, but, uh, you know, there is a sense of, yes, you are hurting yourself, um, when you are refusing to forgive someone, um, when you are holding a grudge, I'm just repeating what pastor Dirk said, uh, <laughs> it just, cause it was so good, but really it's, it's in letting that go. Um, and letting it over to God. You know, we, we always talk about how we break this commandment, but how do you obey this commandment? A, we're so sinful that we can't really obey this commandment. Uh, but B, as we are stirred by the Spirit, really the only way we can obey is by giving it over to God because He He's the one who is the judge and He will have the final say. So for us, it is to just let go of our anger, um, let go of anything we have. And because we are still sinners, pray the most we can in order to overcome that temptation because it's so it's almost part of our dna without actually saying it is part of our dna because then we're probably into some sort of heresy about human nature and, and whatnot, yeah, well, right? yeah, you know. exactly <laughs> uh, we, we actually we have a question from jen who's watching on youtube and i think this will kind of apply this question, while she's talking specifically about the fourth commandment, I think it applies to others as well. Uh, Jen says, not going to lie, my old word of faith brain was triggered when I read what Luther had to say about the blessings attached to obeying the fourth commandment. Um, word faith heresy being that mm -hmm. if you do this, God will bless you kind of heresy. Or if you have a faith, you know, health and wealth and all that kind of stuff. But it's all about having enough faith in order to get whatever the thing well, is. Well, you've got to speak things into existence. You yeah, declare them even, to be true. Yep, even that far. So she says, I can see why we'd suffer for disobeying, but I'm struggling to get past my Lutheran, new Lutheran uh, hangups about blessings attached to obedience. Now, you have just said, Pastor Roth and, and Pastor Dirks, to a certain extent, even with the fifth commandment, 
obeying it is a good thing. There, there are good things that come along with, with obedience. Uh, fourth commandment explicitly says this is the first commandment with a blessing. How do we handle that as talking about blessings when it appears that I'm going to be blessed for what I do? You know, when Luther talks about it, he, you know, it, the language isn't being used like our modern day word of faith guys who are very much setting it in the light of, hey, you're going to get a brand new promotion, whatever else it may be, because you honored what God said. Rather, it's recognizing the fact that God gave mother and father for the benefit of their children. And when you honor your father and mother, you know, no matter how goofy they are, I had my moment when I realized I become one of those lame adults at school when I was telling the kids to be careful when they were playing on the playground and doing something stupid. I realized, when did I get to be one of those lame adults? But it, <laughs> it, it's given as one of is given for the sake of people. Luther makes it clear he's not saying that you're going to be guaranteed to live a longer life, a, you know, richer or anything like this, but rather recognizing that there are, you know, you're going to benefit from this. I mean, I brought it up as the negative side of it, where we watch what happens when people don't honor their father and mother. We have in the case of fatherlessness, which is terrible in a lot of places. We watch children who suffer. They are more likely to be sent to, you know, you do, a, you do a stat on the number of people in prison who are fatherless, and it's staggering. You do a stat on the people struggling with depression, and the fact if they have a mother and father, it changes the stats on it. And the thing that, is, the thing that predicts the most success in a life is not whether or not you come from an affluential family, but actually if you have a mother and father who care about you and who stay with you. Hmm. Pastor Roth? Yeah, I'm just going to make this simple and say with the fifth commandment, can you imagine living in a world where when people had the urge to punch you in the face, they just do it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I Wait. think Jen does some martial arts, so in her That's world, and there, that it, might actually be the case. I don't oh, know. You know. Fair enough. I, I'd rather not get punched by Jen in the face, so... <laughs> I'm wearing glasses. You can't hit me. Uh, oh, is that the rule? <laughs> I can't they hit me. All right, I guess I'm fair game. Go nuts, you, people. Peter. All right. So let's let's uh, talk about we've got about 20 minutes left in our show here. We got one more commandment to talk about. And then we we need to talk about some gospel too, because this is some pretty heavy law that we're we're getting. So sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Very simple, very easy. We got this one, right? Like this, that's not a problem at all. I mean, our culture, this, uh, this isn't an issue, right? <laughs> he who yeah, laughs gets to go first. <laughs> Pastor um, Roth, I'm going to have Pastor Roth go first, actually. Are you sure that's a good idea? <laughs> I, well, can I can got to redeem you yourself. All right. Matthew chapter five verses. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. 27 well, and even um through you know 32 where jesus says in the sermon on the mount you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart for your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away for it is better to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell we're talking about lust I mean, it's talking about the rest, but he's specifically talking about lust right here. Yep. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. 
For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, which he's not saying is a commandment, but he's saying is a permissible, the only permissible grounds, uh, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So this, you know, with the whole lust thing, you know, divorce is a big issue, but with the whole lust thing, um, one of the easy things to think about is pornography. Uh, it's such a huge part in our culture right now, but it's also easy to go after too. And it's easy for ladies, I think, to point and say, see pornography, but then they'll go turn around and go watch 50 shades of gray or read the <laughs> book 50 shades of gray. Um, which ladies or even gentlemen, if if you've read that, uh, that is also in so many wrong ways breaking the sixth commandment just because it's called a romance novel or whatever else title um, doesn't mean that it's not putting certain thoughts, certain images, certain desires into your mind as you are reading this stuff. And even that lust uh, not even acting it out, just the lust itself, um, that evil thought has broken God's commandment. Pastor Dirks? You know, whenever talking about this commandment, the best place to go recognizing what we get with it is the institution of that blessed gift. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the woman were both naked, and they were not ashamed. You know, this... I could, you could spend hours on this one simply, be, you know, do premarital counseling. I have four hours of stuff to talk about with each of them. But, you know, the reason it's marked as adultery in the commandments when God gives them is just simply context of the times, because it goes much further than that. You know, by the time you were 14, you were already proposed to be married or already married off to somebody. So you really never had the chance to commit anything else. But anything outside of that union between man and woman is a false image that our flesh is unfortunately easily satisfied with. You know, we, we're so happy with counterfeits instead of recognizing the one good thing that God gives and instituted before the fall into sin. I mean, that's the blessed gift that's right there. And the place where it ties in with the fourth commandment is you have the father who's given headship and you have his wife the Eliezer, that is his helper, which doesn't denote an inferiority to the husband or anything, but rather an office that's there as the helper, as the one who walks with her husband. Because that word also gets used about God, so it certainly does not denote inferiority. This, this one, our, our culture swims in the water of adultery, if I, if I can put it that way. <laughs> Pastor Roth only dog paddle. <laughs> He's dog paddling there. But I mean, this, this one, it's actually really, really difficult for us to recognize when we're actually breaking this commandment because it is so pervasive throughout our, our Western, not just American, but Western culture in general. So the, there's a question that, that I'm going to ask you guys that I think will help us drill right down to how deep this actually goes. And, and it's this one. Why don't I look at my wife as the only woman on earth? The, I, that, that's how deep 
this commandment cuts us. Well, and I'll take you one further. Why don't we not only look at our wife as the only woman on earth, but when we do look at our wife, why do we not always look at her in the respect and the dignity that God has given her? Yeah. As opposed to sometimes looking at her as a piece of meat. An object. Yeah. I right. mean, that's, that's the difficulty of this is so many Christians, we think, well, if I get married, hey, I'm good. You know, my, my lust is now under control because as long as it's directed towards my wife, I'm no longer sinning. But that's, <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Your wife can be just as much an object to you as as anybody else pastor dirks do you have a thought there well and you know it's a case of if you're going to try to use marriage as a cure-all for sexual temptations and stuff like that you're it's not going to work i mean if you struggle with pornography prior to being married you may have a short while after the marriage where it stops but it's going to haunt because these temptations are going to come back the the brand newness of marriage does wear out and so it is this moment of recognizing that yeah, it you know and it, the reason why I don't you know we don't look at it in the right way comes back to the you know right after God institutes marriage the next text is the fall, and Adam you know who's there the entire time when Eve is being tempted who she gets deceived Adam eats willingly what's the first thing Adam does as soon as God approaches and calls him to repent oh that woman she did it <laughs> she did it. Passes the buck. Gets oh, rid of that the woman buck. you gave me, by the yeah. way, God. Yeah, it <laughs> makes it even a step worse. Whereas Adam's the, the true response would have been, Lord, have mercy on me for what he had done. But it, you know, it comes down to simply that this this sin is a part of us. Like you said, we swim in it our entire lives. You know, just as kind of a stat of how sad it is, the average first exposure to something like pornography is eight years old. I mean, that is the really terrifying aspect of this is how early it haunts our culture. And you have even in schools where they're teaching children stuff that they don't even need to know. Why does a kindergarten class need to hear about all these sort of sexual things? They don't need to. And yeah. yet because it's so ingrained into our culture, that's what's happening. Yep. Yep. Pastor Roth, any additional thoughts on that one there? Well, you know... This isn't a pleasant image, but as you as you keep talking about swimming in the culture, I just think about swimming in this cesspool of nastiness of this of this commandment. Because I mean, even you know, thinking about this commandment and how much we swim in it, uh, thinking about isn't it Arby's or no? What's there's one of the fast food restaurant chains where it's like they have the woman on the hood eating this burger and honestly makes me sick to my stomach every time i see it cuz i it's but been. it's like this whole connection of sex cells so everything we do has to be connected to sex because it gets the brain going it gets the desires going people connect it and yada yada and look at look at any everywhere. advertising at all it's all beautiful people why is that well, because right. they're not just selling whatever the thing is they're selling. <laughs> Pastor right. Dirks, you had you you were gonna jump in there. Uh, I was gonna say it's Hardee's. I remember those Hardee's. commercials. There you go. I knew it was Arby's. I knew it wasn't Arby's as soon as I said it was Arby's. I know my food real well. <laughs> we we didn't get to that part in the fifth. We did. Uh, uh, just jumping back with that comment. With <laughs> we got time. About go ahead and jump back. 
Oh, well, just jumping back with the fifth commandment, also it comes down to, you know, not just the hatred of self, but the care of both our, you know, both, you know, the care of our neighbor and the care of the body that God has given to us. The gift that God gives with the fifth commandment is life, and we should be taking care of it. And the, some of the things you don't hear about too often is from in sermons are drunkenness and gluttony, because unfortunately you do have a large number of bigger pastors which in some ways is because our job requires a lot of sitting i mean way to justify on... yourself Woo! no no I, I, i'm going to follow it up and with. me and, and me you, you didn't give me a chance to follow up but that doesn't fix it i mean yeah. that's why one of the things i'm working on is trying to lose weight but it is a reality that overindulgence and all these sort of things are all part of appeasing the sinful flesh and that happens also with the sixth where we look for whatever stimulation we can get instead of recognizing what is good and salutary that is a gift from god which is marriage and the gift that that is yeah yep there there are a couple let's let's take all of these together i'm going to ask you guys some of our questions here just kind of as a whole and then you get to decide what you want which which ones you want to go with here <laughs> that's dangerous um, i know isn't it fun but th this is all about the these these commandments cut all of us to the core they all if we are honest with ourselves we are killed by each one of these and so it's important to actually let the law do its work of killing us because what we're going to do in the last part of our our show today is Talk about the gospel and how it resurrects us when we are killed by the law. But just make sure that we're fully, you know, we're, we're really twisting the spoon. <laughs> fourth, fourth commandment. Why can't I submit to any authority? Why do I even assume that I have the authority to do anything? Why do I assume that I have rights that, that I have to be defending? Uh, fifth commandment, why do I assume my body is worth caring for, as Pastor Dirks was just talking about, but I don't care a lick about a stranger's unless I consciously make myself, I actually have to make the decision to care about somebody else, and even then, I'm not really actually doing it to the same level. And then on this one, we've already started talking about why don't I look at my wife as the only woman on earth? Why would I even want to look at another woman or man, if you're a woman, this this applies to women equally, and his or her beauty at all. Uh, why is my assumption that it's my right to satisfy my desires? Why do I believe my body is mine? And these are all questions for each of these commandments that dig down to to the depth of what they actually mean. What what do we do? <laughs> Who wants to talk about that first? I mean, to, to to kind of shotgun and try to hit all of them at the same time. Um, you know, it's it's really that's the nature, the ugly nature of sin. Um, is it turns us away from others? It turns us away from God. It turns us away from our neighbor, and looks into ourselves. Uh, you know, that's why we call it nasal giving. All the nasal giving. <laughs> <laughs> Naval gazing. Oh my goodness, that was naval awesome. gazing we are all the time. That was awesome. because 
I shouldn't do live stuff anymore. I, no, I need to change the title of this episode to nasal gaving. I mean, that's just nasal gaving. <laughs> anyway. Okay, you had a good point. Continue nasal gazing because it's it's all about us. I mean, that was the first temptation uh, when, when we go back to the garden is, uh, you know, you, God knows that if you eat this, you will become like him. Um, as in what God has given you isn't good enough. You need to reach out and take for yourself and you can be like God. Um, never mind, you already like God because you have his image. Uh, but you can be like God. And so it's this inherent selfishness of sin. Um, and this is the, the corruption. Uh, we turn into ourselves. We try to satisfy our desires. And anyone who gets in our way uh, just needs to be dealt with. Um, and then we even get into the, oh, well, why would I help my neighbor? Oh, because it makes me feel good. Um, there you go. You're still breaking the commandment if you are doing it for your own benefit, for your own self. Uh, going back to that fourth commandment, I'm just going to throw this out there. And because we're leaving in a couple minutes. Uh, <laughs> but you mentioned the whole rights thing. Um, we were, We do not have any inalienable rights as uh, our founding documents say um, we don't have any rights because God is God. We are not, we are his creatures. Um, we are his to do with and please. He did not create certain rights within us. Um, however, what he does tell us is he commands us to love our neighbor. And through these commandments, we know how we can love our neighbor. We can know how we can love our brother. And so therefore, we're not concerned about defending our rights and making sure we're getting our portion. But instead, we are to be making sure our neighbor is protected. Our neighbor is cared for. Our neighbor is loved. And, and even as we do that, we so quickly turn it into about us and what I get to, what I get to do in the interest of protecting my neighbor, you know, what, whatever, whether it's my guns or whatever, Hey, I need these so that I can protect my neighbor. Well, well, once again, I, who are we trusting? Yeah, <laughs> we got to be careful. Even then there was, cause we've had this discussion back in the day at seminary, like three years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, we had this, this was a big discussion because even the guys going out to be pastors the next year really struggled with this. And, you know, the whole gun thing. Um, wait, so I can keep my gun and shoot someone if they break into my house because they might hurt my family? You just want to use your gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yes, to protect I, your family, but. I was um, going to say, I certainly would be, am not hoping to use, I, I, you know, when I, as I have well, it, I'm yeah. not, be careful with how but, you phrase that. Right. Okay. I, I am not Reel that, back. that that situation ever happens. Real that bad. I'm glad if I never have that happen. It's the there. Whole, yeah, so it's I, mostly, I misworded that. My, my gun is spending. mostly for murdering deer. I mean, that's what my gun is <laughs> mostly used for because they well, are delicious. I was say, it's not murder to, if you're eating it, right? Well, God. that's what God said to Noah after the flood. Yeah. Just don't shoot. There's no killing people. Going back to your loving, loving your enemies, though. 
Um, you know, that one where if your neighbor asks for your cloak or coat, give them your cloak as well. Um, that is the whole, someone comes in your house and you're alone. Um, you live by yourself and they come to steal something from you. What do you do? Do you stand and fight them or do you let them take off with whatever? And this is a tough question to deal with because, well, is it yours? Um, do you have rights? And are you defending that, your neighbor? I think this comes down to a conversation that needs its own video. If we would probably, and I will, for both of us, the different situation is, Hey, give me your daughter. Well, that's right. a very different story. Well, and, and to <laughs> yeah. tweak to, to add this one nuance to, in order to save my face, uh, also there is the question of by letting them steal from me, am I helping them? Or am I letting them commit sin? Yeah. So, so as, as we're, as we're can I go back to your original question so I can yeah. do it? Though, too? Oh, yeah. No. Hey, it's your turn. Go ahead, Pastor. No, I have a turn. You have to deal with yes. this. <gasps> so, you know, as we go into it, kind of, you know, flat, you know, fast forwarding through all of it, just going straight through. Fourth commandment, as we would start looking into it, we recognize this all starts at the fall. I mean, the first thing that Adam does is he breaks the fourth commandment after eating the fruit. He didn't listen to the Lord, his God, and then immediately does not honor his authority as head of house as the one who should have been taking the blame. I mean, it was his job to be standing there as the one who should have been taking responsibility. After, you know, I flat out tell people in premarital catechesis, I look at the guy and say, you willing to die for her? Yeah. Wife, are you willing to die for him? Yes. Not your job. It is the man's job to do it. And he immediately slacks off and does not do what he is called to do. And any time when we would dishonor and, you know, depending on your age, <coughs> excuse me, children listening to their parents or parents being honorable authorities, you know, parents get tired and we use that as an excuse. We manage to try and come up with all these kind of excuses trying to do it, but we don't do our authority as we should. And because we don't honor authority, we don't love each other as we should. I mean, because that our love falls short for one another and the fact that we see someone on the road and we think well they might be trying to con me yeah. whose problem is that yeah you're called to love your neighbor vengeance is mine declares the lord he'll deal with it and yet again we try to make excuses we try to get out of it because we're not comfortable with the fact that we have not honored god's commands and the sixth commandment as much as we want to you know we try to wrap it all up into abstinence teaching which is an important thing to live chaste lives but as Peter brought up, you know, that lust can continue and it can be targeted towards your spouse. It can be continued as a very quick glance. All these different counterfeits that exist in our culture that we start thinking that are okay, whether it be living together, homosexual marriage, or all these other things, you know, because we're surrounded by it, it becomes so easy to say, well, I don't think I'm going to listen to the true authority and really hold to this because it's easier not to. And we find ourselves always falling short. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we make God out to be a liar. And that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bottom line, as, as we're continuing to look at the law here, is that as we're talking about, okay, well, what do I do? What's, what's the right decision? What's, how do I keep this commandment? The reality is, whether we're talking about the, the gun issue, whether we're talking about lustful thoughts, whether we're talking about honoring our parents. We are talking about all of this from the perspective of a sinner, 
our, our own concupiscence, our curved inwardness, which Pastor Roth was talking about earlier with uh, with the gavel nasing. <laughs> gavel nasing. Hey, we got a new one for that too. Um, you know, just that that inward curve. There there is no action I can do where I can look at it and say, "Awesome, I kept the law." This is great. I mean, when the, when the, that's why we've been asking these, these deeper questions is because we need to recognize that we get to a point or that we're always at the point of, I can't actually keep this. I can't actually do that. And when I'm at that point, when I have been killed, I need to be resurrected. And as we close out our show here, uh, Pastor Dirks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one to you first. As we close out our show here, Gospel that law for us. What what gospel, do I do? Gospel that when law. I, when I've, yeah. You don't know that phrase either? Oh man, it's it's a <laughs> it's a St. Louis phrase. <laughs> no, it's not, because I lived in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I grew up in St. Louis. Kevin, right. I got it from Kevin, and he said he got it from the St. Louis Seminary. So don't believe, there it is. Don't believe Kevin. I'm, Pastor I'm, Dirks knows what I'm saying. So go ahead, I'm, Pastor Dirks. I'm still Fort Wayne, so I'm just going to preach the gospel instead. <laughs> <laughs> what we end up doing, we, we see our own inability to keep the law. I mean, it is apparent each and every day. And if we think we, like you said, if we think we've done it, we are arrogant thinking that we have managed to do it. The good news is Christ did Christ our Lord willingly came and took on our flesh. And if you want to see what a true authority looks like, it is in Christ. King of King, Lord of Lord, of King, one with whom and through whom all things were made, takes on our flesh. He willingly comes obedient as a servant, setting, a, you know, and we have, you know, emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, as Philippians 2 talks about. And he willingly keeps all of these commandments on our behalf. And we even see this continuing as he makes his way to the cross. And I'll even look in light of these three commandments we looked at today. As he hangs there, wounded and bleeding, suffering the wrath of God for all sinners. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He fulfills in honoring his mother and making sure that she is taken care of after he dies and after he ascends into heaven. He fulfills the law on our behalf there. As people stand there mocking his weakness, his pain, his suffering, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in a world that's filled with all manner of indulgence, pleasure-seeking, and everything, he emptied himself and said, I thirst. As he willingly went through all of these things for his bride, the church, for all people too. He willingly took the cross to suffer and die for us who had fallen short. And the great exchange that we don't deserve happens. That God takes the one who knew no sin to be sin and we're clothed with Christ's righteousness. In baptism, God connected us to his cross and gave us that righteousness. So that when God looks down at us now, he does not see someone who dishonors his authority we do not see, he does not see the murderers that we are or the adulterers that we are. He sees a baptized child. He sees one of his own who has been washed and redeemed in the flood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor Roth? I didn't prepare a sermon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a homily. Just but two it was, minute homily. It was beautiful. 
Um, the only thing I will add, and this is not because it's an improvement, because that was wonderful. Um, going back to to Matthew five again, uh, where we talk about the anger, and and Jesus says, "So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift." Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Christ puts the the pretty explicit penalty for our sin. Um, When we refuse to repent, uh, we will be thrown in jail until we have paid the last penny. And when Christ himself had to spend uh, eternity on the cross for us, um, when he he suffered for us and bled for us and died for us as God himself, and we who are just man, uh, we will never pay that last penny. Um, It is nothing that we on our own can do. But what Christ implicitly gives there is that agree with your adversary quickly while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge. Um, we are caught in our sin. We are caught red-handed and there is no excuse that we can make that makes it all better. But we know that Christ is the judge. He is also the one who has paid our debt. So when we come and we repent and we confess our sins before him, uh, he forgives them. As going back to the unmerciful servants, the king says, you should have had mercy because I had mercy on you. We fail at the law every single day. But the reason God gives us the law in the first place is to protect the gifts that he gives to us. He is a loving God and he wants to bestow on us his blessing, his love, his mercy, and his grace. And so therefore, when we break his laws that harm those gifts, we just need to turn back to him and say, Heavenly Father, I have done the very thing you have told me not to do. I have abused your gifts. I have misused your gifts. Please forgive me and restore me in your righteousness. And he does. And that is the beautiful thing that I cannot do on my own. But what I can do is, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me. And even while I am still a sinner... That forgiveness died for us. He, he died while I was yet a sinner. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us this evening. Those of you who are watching live, those who will watch our, our show afterwards, those who are listening on the podcast. And remember, at Thursday, 9 p.m. Central Time, that's two days from when we're recording this right now, we will be doing a special a bonus episode, Crucial Conversations, on the law. And of course, if we're talking about the law, we will talk about the gospel as well. But we're actually going to jump a little bit into the formula of Concord and talk about the three functions of the law and how God uses the law kind of in a little bit broader than the specificity that we've gotten here. But there will be lots of killing going on there too. And of course, where there's killing, there has to be resurrection. So thank you once again. This has been Crucial Conversations. Thank you, Pastor Timothy Roth, for joining us. Pastor Andrew Dirks, as well, returning guests here. And you can find their churches down below in the description. Join us on Facebook. 
find our podcast. You can subscribe. There's links down below. Join the Grok Boot. Links are down below. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Links are down below. All that wonderful stuff. But once again, thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next time.